When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another installment of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colt Molesky, and I'm joined by Corey DLG, my co-host and producer, Nico. He's making sure all of us sound pretty. And we are here with a lot of Texans talk. We are looking at some news as far as the Texans are concerned and how some news around the league could impact the Texans later on this season. We'll be getting to that as well as looking at some of the scoring and some of the breakdown of these close games through the first two weeks and how that could be a good thing for Houston. But before we get to all of that, Corey, two Monday night football games. I'm out. <laughs> we got some stinkers, but I just think overall, do you ever remember a weekday? Where you're like, you know what? I'm super glad there were two of those Monday Night Football games. I'm trying to think if there was ever a time where they aired two like great games the same night, like a Monday, like in a Monday night, because they do this every once in a while. Every once in a while, Monday Night doubles up for some reason, and I don't, I don't know if it was in honor of the debut or what the deal was, but either way, I didn't think it was necessary. I, I think. And you know what, though, if you're programming, well, it used to be it used to be based on like, right. the start of the season, right? But then it kind of seemed like they figured out, hey, we don't have enough crews to to fill the start of the season with two Monday Night Football games to boot, and then they're throwing them in sporadically throughout the year. Now this year, I don't know. It just and, and again, we're coming off two stinkers, kind of a Monday Night Football. Both of those were blowouts, so maybe that colors it a little differently as far as perspective is concerned. But I just don't remember ever, like, super loving two Monday Night Football games. I know I'm sounding a little gluttonous only a couple weeks into the football season. I should be happy to just have football on my screen. But I don't know. I just, I think I would rather just have Monday Night Football, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, part of me says, like, oh, shut up and enjoy it. But but you're right in the sense that two games might be too much. Because, I mean, it basically goes from 5 to 11 o'clock now. It's just on Monday night, and they're not great games. Now, if you're programming from last year, Tennessee-Buffalo is a sexy matchup, um, but it wasn't. It didn't turn out that way. So it is kind of a disappointing... If the games had been better, it probably would have been more worth the time. But your, your risk of having a stinker is so much lower if you just properly distribute games on Sunday afternoon, which is a problem the NFL has had for a while where they throw like eight games in that early noon slot. And then you have three games at three and three twenty-five, which makes no sense sliding into Sunday. If you just evenly distribute and you have like six games early, five games at three and three twenty-five, 
and then you just work really hard on making sure that you have an awesome game and flexing an awesome game to Sunday night and having an awesome night matchup for Monday, the chances of you having or picking a couple of duds, it feels like, are almost a little better than if you're just throwing a full deck at Sunday afternoon and saying, you know what, we're going to give people plenty of options so those stinkers can kind of be buried. And then we're just going to have premier teams, and we're going to flex games too. We're going to flex games all over the place so those Sunday night football games are awesome. So those Monday night football games are awesome. Now, I know they're not going to flex the game from Sunday to Monday, but I'm just saying if you're flexing Sunday night football, if you're throwing – distributing games evenly throughout the afternoon slate on Sunday, then really all you have to do is pick one awesome game for Monday night. All of a sudden, that's a lot easier. Yes, except you forgot who is the NFL's daddy. You you forgot the driving force. The reason the NFL is the $4 billion goose, the reason the NFL exists, uh, the reason the NFL matters, uh, I don't think I'm going to surprise anyone here, is gambling. Um, so you've got to have that massive slate of noon games because you've got to give people something to do. You've got to get the money rolling. you also got to get people behind the eight ball so that they've got to bet more to catch up in the afternoon game and then continue and continue. And then by Monday Night Football, they're either – trying to double up big for the week or just finish not owing money. So if you have too many games in that second slot, you mess with how much, how in the hole people are going to be after the first set of games. I would push back and say TV and the sale of television is the reason that the and NFL is so valuable and that interest is what drives it. And if you're looking at how Amazon is now purchasing games, how free football is something that you could just have the rabbit ears and cable and get a few NFL games every single week and a few more on Sundays. Now it's going to be where we're having to buy streaming services. Maybe that's the future of football. And if you're making these primetime games – drawing in everybody because they're such good matchups even the casual fan wants to watch i would say that the product that you're putting out is ultimately in focusing on those primetime games how do we make that the best product available how do we make sure that the best teams are playing in that slot every single year i think that's the way that you harness that money train that you're talking about a little bit and that's the way that you will eventually package those kinds of things like thursday night football well you're right and you're wrong um, yes, it's the eyeballs on the live TV that push it. Live sports is still the last big buffalo to hunt for the streaming services. Uh, you know, Amazon Prime did take a bite out of it with the Thursday night. Uh, Peacock is getting the Sunday night. The Monday night is still out there because ESPN doesn't have a good streaming platform. And also the day games on Sunday are still available for, for purchase somewhere down the line. So you're not wrong about that. But what forces people to watch those games? Again, you got to think a lot of times that Sunday afternoon game has been like just dog matchups that nobody nobody reasonably cares about. Cowboys, Bengals, uh, Browns, Redskins, or something is very regularly the second game in the Sunday schedule, and everyone is still watching because they're gambling. 
The same reason they do the injury reports. The same reason they do all the pre the pregame and the postgame stuff. The same reason they want the players available to the media is they'll tell you it's to grow stars and to humanize it, but really what it is is to give betters more insight into these into these people they're betting on. Uh, the availability of these players, the health of these players, the mindset of these players is all the stuff that they're trying to figure out. They want to know what kind of what what's that coach really like. So they want as many interviews as possible so they can try and splice his decision-making so they could better bet on the game. These, ultimately, I guess it's it's which, which comes first, the chicken or the egg, but the reality is, is betting has forever been the beast that fuels the furnace of the NFL. Because while live TV bidding is, is what pays the NFL, and now that the NFL is partnering with these uh, gambling books, these sports books, the, the live TV will matter less and less. You see NFL this year is offering a $5.99 package to watch all of the games as long as you don't have, as long as you're not at one of the 32 cities. Uh, that tells you right there that they, they're not as concerned about the TV packaging as people think they should be. Ultimately, they know that as long as people can bet the house sometimes literally that's fair on a football and game they're going to at the end it. of the day either way i'm still out on two games for monday night football that's just my opinion hey you know what you guys it's a long day it's a long rough day at that point like you're kind of slogging through it at that point and you almost just wish like just blow each other out so these games are and over guess two, what? two hours you guys straight, if you're listening you know? out there you're, and you're you want to weigh in part. on this let us know Molesky, M-O-L-E-S-K-Y, Colton, C-O-L-T-O-N at gmail.com. That is the show's email address. You can reach out to us, and we will respond if we get anything for you guys. Weigh in on if you like two Monday Night Football games or not. Corey, we gotta, before we dive too deep into this episode, we've got to turn ourselves towards some news for the Texans. We've got a, a few housekeeping items to get to uh, before we get to all of that, though, I wanted to address the Justin Britt getting put on reserve non-football illness list. Now, we were talking a little bit about how he had his comments about how he wasn't playing up to his standards, about how he w didn't feel like he was giving the effort that he thought he was capable of in that Colts game, didn't play against the Broncos, now he's on this list, and... The Texans now have four backups, or excuse me, three backups. Three backups for their offensive line total. Where's your concern level at for this as far as the offensive line depth? If Britt is out for the long haul versus a few games, where's your concern level lie with this stuff? So, for those who aren't aware, around Thursday of last week, Britt uh, didn't practice with the team, wasn't at the facility, and they listed personal reasons. It, it transformed into, all of a sudden, homeboy didn't travel with the team to Denver, they, he didn't play, and the comments came out that basically, these sound like the comments of a guy who's retiring. And this will, this happens once every couple of years, where a guy, usually they retire at the start of training camp. But a guy comes back for one year too many and gets out there and just goes, nah, this wasn't for me. Most famously, there was a corner 
who that was for the the Bills retired at the Bills corner for the Steelers who retired at halftime. David, do I remember the team wrong? It was during that yeah. game. It was during that game, I believe, when they were playing the Vikings and they were yeah, the seventeen he, point dogs, and they were the the I. Uh, and he was getting beat. And yeah, he, he they went to halftime and he retired. Didn't come out. So that's the most extreme version of it. But every couple of years it does happen where there's a veteran who just goes, you know what? I, I, I came back one time too many. This isn't, I, I don't. Here's the thing every football player will tell you. You'll know when excuse you shouldn't me, be out there. Me, just and if you real quick, they're playing the the Chargers. I remember they're playing the Chargers, not the Vikings. They're playing the Chargers, and he decided to uh, to retire at half. Vontae Davis. Yeah, what? What? I, yes, Vontae. And specifically, what I remember is he he got lit up in the in the half. Uh, a couple of just deep balls where he's one on one, and the and the guy caught it, and he he. He was like, nah, man, like I, I, that guy's beating me. I don't need to be out there. So <laughs> um, it doesn't say a lot about that receiver or what he thinks of that receiver, but it also is him realizing like, okay, if I don't have it, they're better off putting somebody else out there. And I, and I both hated and loved that decision in, in the moment because it makes sense that like if you think they're better off without you, then maybe they are. But also that Bills team, it turns out they wind up losing the game anyway. It, it wouldn't have changed much if he'd have gone out there and struggled through another quarter for another half for his team. Um, but the reality is, once every few years, there's a player who just goes, "I don't think I should have come back." And it's this is what that sounds like. Now, what does that do to the depth on the offensive line? At this point in the season, every team has nine or ten guys. So him being making himself unavailable last week meant we went into the Denver game with eight linemen. That's a little scary, but we restructured Brandon Cook's deal to make some cap room. Uh, we moved Britt to the uh, to the inactive list, and if I'm not mistaken, that frees up his money, and it frees up Cook's money. That tells me they're going to go after somebody who like a like. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, who is on the Amazon Prime team, somebody like that, who it's going to cost one or two million dollars to bring him in for one season, and, and that's that's the other piece of news that we had to get to too was um, Cook's restructuring his but contract. I, I think it's that's clear that they want to address this offensive line stuff right away, which I, I just think that you can't put too much uh, emphasis yeah. on on offensive line depth and how that stuff can get go south really quick. So I like them. It seems, and again, we don't have a we don't have a magic eight ball on this stuff, but it seems like that's what they're doing to try and address this depth right away because you just don't want you don't want to go into a game. We've seen this happen to teams where you go into a game and they're a little thin at a position, and then all of a sudden something fluky happens, something wonky happens, and you lose two guys in one position, and now all of a sudden you're sliding guys over, and people are having to play in different positions that they're not used to playing, and all of a sudden you're just an absolute mess. So this is a violent game. And so I know that it's just one offensive line spot, but that could really be the difference between having the appropriate amount of depth and just getting destroyed in a game when something fluky happens.
Well, and it's and it's more important because it's the center. Because a lot of these backups will be guys who <clears throat> they're not good enough to be just a left tackle or just a right tackle, but they are good enough to be outside tackle. You know what I mean? Uh, so a lot of these backups are guys who are specifically designed not to play just left or just right, but to play tackle positions or guard positions. The problem is, because that lets you back up two spots with one guy, when the center is the one you're replacing, it's a little bit more complicated because typically you you just carry the two centers. So like when he went out and Queensberry winds up getting the start, there's not another there's there's no backup center on the roster. Now it's not that a guard can't do it, but it's not something you're excited about because it's something so he really doesn't good practice moves ever. As far as you don't want to see Britt move to that list, hopefully whatever is going on with him and his personal decisions that get clear that gets cleared up quickly but they're making moves to get ahead of it at least it seems there are some interesting comments from Nico Collins but that is going to lead to a wider discussion on the passing game in Davis Mills and it involves Trey Lance's injury too we're gonna get into all that but first Corey let's hear from some sponsors All right. Let me tell you guys about the latest party to hit the Houston scene. Custom geek parties. Everything from corporate team building exercises, geek themed weddings, RPG parties, board game parties, cosplay parties, and more. Call Gamers Inner Circle at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle at 281-746-4260. So we had some interesting comments from Nico Collins, the wide receiver for the Houston Texans on how he's confident the passing game will improve for the Texans and how it's a long season and they are just two games in and he thinks that things will improve after watching some tape from week two. Now, we have both spent some serious time talking about the inaccuracies of Davis Mills and some of the concerns that are springing out of that, but we've also talked a little bit about uh, leading up to the season about how, you know, you really want to see what you have in Mills. And so you want to turn the keys to the car over to him, so to speak, to see what you have and give him a, a real shot to see if you move on from him or if you are going to stick with him. Either way, it seems like you want to figure that stuff out. And then you get into the season and some teams, it looks clear that they don't know who their quarterback is. Some teams, it's clear that other guys are kind of aging out of the position. And then all of a sudden, right at the beginning of week two, you have the 49ers lose their starting quarterback, the quarterback that they are ready to go behind and get behind for the rest of the season, Trey Lance. Now Jimmy Garoppolo's back up. He was a piece. I know that when Dak Prescott went down, another starting quarterback in week one, that was somebody, a name that was thrown out as, oh, maybe – the Dallas Cowboys go after Jimmy Garoppolo or maybe the Dallas Cowboys go after, I don't know, this guy or that guy. Maybe they, I saw one person on Twitter throw out Flacco when Wilson comes back for the Dallas Cowboys if that injury is extended. But now we have a couple of starting quarterbacks who are down. You have a couple of teams who clearly the quarterback position is still a question mark. Look at you, Pittsburgh Steelers. All that to say, you think that 
a ton of teams have this all figured out, and then you get two weeks into the season, and now it feels like all of these spots are kind of opening up. There's this this need for quarterbacks, this need rising. My question to you, Corey, is despite maybe some confidence that Mills can still be the guy, I know Nico Collins is going to say what he has to say because he's a teammate, but even so, we're two weeks in. You don't want to sell on Mills too early after he looked good last year, but is there more pressure on the Texans to figure this out quickly because already you see that quarterback market starting to compress? And maybe in a couple of weeks, if it you don't see any improvement, maybe you think, you know what? What if we sell on him because we like some of this other stuff? What if we're in these games and this division kind of stinks and we can kind of hang around the Jaguars for a little bit because clearly the Colts aren't going to do anything and the Tennessee Titans are just a shade above the Texans right now. And it looks like the Jaguars might be at the top of the division for the next couple of weeks. If that's the team you have to hang around, maybe they are just a journeyman quarterback away from, you know, at least being frisky in the division. Does this speed up the clock on Davis Mills at all? The compression of this quarterback market? Uh, Yes and no. So I think the quarterback market has changed drastically from week one to week two. I think that is without saying with, with Trey Lance breaking his ankle, uh, first of all, privately me and some buddies were watching all the different games Sunday and, and we kind of agreed that this might be the best thing to happen in San Francisco is getting Jimmy G back and not meaning to, uh, it's a mess for him. Although on a, on another, on another note, he does have in his contract, that he cannot be franchised by San Francisco this year, after this or this offseason, after it's all said and done. So he'll be a free agent if a team wants to make that move. The the Bears saw a much better game out of their young quarterback. The Titans benched Ryan Tannehill. The Steelers with Mitchell Trubisky, it just looks questionable at best. The Browns, you know, depending on which way they go over the next three or four weeks. They've got, obviously, Deshaun Watson coming back from suspension, which means they've got a quarterback who's started nine games for them that they may not, that they may have a, they may see a value in moving around week six or seven. You know what I mean? Because they know they have Deshaun Watson coming back. Um, I, I think there's a lot of potential value in this market. Joe Flacco has really resurrected himself. Uh, Carson Wentz looks much better. Jameis Winston looks like there's a chance he might lose the job before the year is up. Uh, Kyler Murray and Tua both were magically light years better in Week 2 than they were in Week 1. I, I I think there's opportunity if it, if we decided somewhere that Davis... If we are still with Jacksonville and we go, man, let's just go all in right here this year, which I don't necessarily believe we will, then that is an opportunity for us to make those moves. Uh, I believe they're going to go this season with Davis Mills, like it or not, and I'm starting to like it a lot less than I did going into this. Going into the season, I was like, yeah, let's see what this guy has. Let's see what it is. Week one was a very disappointing exhibition. Week two... While it's had strong, while it had better moments, overall, I, I wasn't happy with it. And and I was watching one of my buddies. We were trying to kind of get on the same page because he thinks Davis Mills is a much better quarterback than I do. And we were kind of going back and forth on a lot of stuff. But when I finally started setting the grade that 
okay, it was third and six on one play. All right, it's third and six. That means I want to see Davis Mills throw a ball that goes six yards down the field and is catchable. And then we wouldn't see that. And he would be like, yeah, you got to you gotta throw a first down there. And then we would go to another play like that, and it would be third and four. Okay, I want to see him throw to a guy who's running a four-yard route here. I want to see him make the good decision. And once we were on the same page as how we were – what we were looking for out of the play, it got a lot clearer that, that he wasn't delivering on those things. He did hit a couple guys on the outside this time, which was his kryptonite in week one. But I, I do think there's still a lot of concern, at least in my eyes, about the Davis Mills project. You know, It's easy to get caught up in some of the interesting stats, like uh, last year... He finished the, the last four games of the season. He was the number two ranked rookie quarterback in the entire league, like in all the important stats, touchdowns and no turnovers and, and passing yards and blah, blah, blah. The problem with that is, well, most of those quarterbacks weren't that great. Uh, we didn't walk out of last year hailing any one particular rookie as the second coming of anything. And all of those rookies, as a matter of fact, have stepped forward this year instead of back, with the exception of Trey Lance, who isn't stepping anywhere uh, anytime soon. Surgery on two different things in his foot, say, by the way. I will say this. While it does seem like if you want to go out and get just a guy who can game manage, if you want to go out and trade or or pick up somebody, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking so, grabbing somebody like a, a maybe like a, a Josh Johnson, Tate Bridger, just those guys who like you can come in and they can just be an adult and manage the game and how – the more injuries that happen, and there's already injuries happening uh, in the NFL. Uh, there's already a couple big names to go down, like we mentioned. The more injuries that happen, the more scarce those guys are going to get. While that does seem to be the case, I will say two weeks in, there's still plenty of room for growth. There's still plenty of road to be paved for Davis Mills to become a better quarterback. He, the throws are erratic right now, but guess what? Two weeks in... The NFL looks pretty weird. <laughs> the top three passers in the NFL are Tua, Carson Wentz, and Joe Flacco. Davis Mills is in the same company as Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray for passing yards. And he has more passing yards than Tom Brady and Ryan Tannehill, who was on the number one seeded Tennessee Titans last year. So while... It can get some things can get discouraging. You talked about some of those misses in the first couple of weeks, uh, and some of the things that you would have really loved to see him capitalize on, uh, i.e. the 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 fourth quarters that mm -hmm. they just seemed to mm -hmm. whiff mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. in the last two weeks. I will say that the NFL is weird. Two weeks in, and maybe this is this is going to swing back the other way in another two weeks. So. So if someone asked you for your takeaway for the two weeks, you'd just go weird. <laughs> exactly. Weird to okay, early right. tell. Yeah. Incomplete. I think is there what are I some things say. that we can tell, but I do think I think overall we we don't know which teams are gonna rise to the top. I'm comfortable saying which teams I do think are going to be hanging out towards the bottom though. Well, and here's here's the beauty of the Texans situation is you can look at this and say, I, uh, you know, you can say, you know what, maybe we need to make some moves. Maybe we need to make sure 
that we have a quarterback. But here's the thing, though. I don't think they have, they're in that position because let's say they get to week six and, you know what, Davis Mills isn't the guy. I don't think you have to overpay for a quarterback to kind of be average there. When you have, I mean, in 2023, they have the Browns pick and they have their pick. You put those together, you move up in the draft, and you grab a quarterback you like. The next next year is going to be rich in quarterback prospects coming out of college. So I think you just I, – I would not let a changing quarterback market dictate what you're going to do when at the end of the year your trump card is, guess what? We can package some picks together, we can move up in the first round, and we can grab the quarterback well, not- that we want. If I don't think we're going to have to do much guy. packaging either. I think that was very nice of you to say. Uh, but uh, I, I think I think we'll be right there. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying if, if the worst case scenario is, oh, we're two picks away from uh, – we think we are two we might be two picks away from the quarterback of our dreams, guess what? You yeah, go no, get no. That guy. There's not going to be a quarterback that's out of reach for us in this draft. I agree with that part. I do think what we need to – I think what's important to focus on as the season progresses, though, is – First of all, I'm 4-0 in Vegas picks. I'm just, you know. Uh, but also, I, 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 I'm curious about the – yeah, you got to do it. I got to do it. Uh, I'm curious about the identity of this team. I just – you know, this week they said, hey, man, we're definitely going to run the ball. And they did. They ran the ball. Damian Pierce looked a lot better. But then they also turned around, and in that fourth quarter, they sort of just stopped running it. They just and started throwing it all over the place. Again, when they really shouldn't have, we were always within one score of the game of Denver, so there was never a time when we couldn't run it, and they just sort of said, "Oh, we gotta, we gotta march downfield here, we gotta throw," and the throws didn't. Now, here's the thing about Davis Mills that makes all this complicated: is he does throw a good deep ball, and therefore, every time he completes one of those thirty-yard passes, everyone goes, "Yeah, see, he's definitely the guy." And it resets the conversation because all the progress you make pointing out the troubles with him get pushed to the back of the line when he then makes another 30-yard pass and someone goes, no, no, look, he can throw it. He can throw it. Um, so it, it might be an interesting move. And then maybe it's – let's say we get to week eight and we, we, say, we know Davis Mills is not our quarterback. We don't want to do it anymore. He's not our guy. We don't even want to go out there – we want to we want to give the rest of the we need to get the other receivers time with a better quarterback. We need to see who else on the team is good. We need to not waste everyone else's season anymore. Um, and we then decide we're going to go after a quarterback. There will still be some guys available. It'll be interesting who is available at that point. I mean, this division is bad enough though, where you can still oh, we could actually. You could accidentally you win it still be with like seven or nine wins, even if you know Davis yeah, Mills absolutely. is your guy. And I think that that's sort of the thing with seven or nine wins. You could accidentally win this division because the Colts are exactly who I told you they would be with the world's worst Matt Ryan, uh, and and Tennessee is 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 playing surprisingly down. I thought they were going to be a little bit better, and while Jacksonville did get a win against Indianapolis. That's because Jacksonville's under the impression that when two teams play, one of them is supposed to win, uh, which we haven't learned yet. We're going to figure that out eventually. Uh, going into the season, though, I did have us 2-0 and you know, over both of these teams because I, I think the Denver head coach is a mess, and I, and I do think the Colts were a very beatable team. 
Now, I did cap us at about six wins, if I remember right. So, I guess I'm saying we're going to win four more games this year. But I don't... I don't. It wouldn't surprise me if a, a medium-to-bad team won the AFC South. No, I think that's the only option to win the AFC South is a medium-to-bad team to, to win it. And I would say, as far as quarterback market, look to the draft. Don't be worried yeah, about I, what's happening with guys. But right I do now. think look to the draft. That's that's where you're gonna find your guy, and just let Davis Mills play out the season. Whatever happens, happens. I, uh, if he's not the answer, I think the answer is in the draft. I don't think it's in a quarterback that's anywhere else. That's on a different roster. That's a free agent. I think the answer at quarterback is in the draft. If it's oh no, I, I think Mills. you're right. Unless. Here's where I think the only situation where they would make a move is if we look up at week eight, week nine, and we're still in second place in the division, and Jacksonville is, say, three and five, and they're in first place, It would I would be hard-pressed at that instant not to say, well, if we could get Mitchell Trubisky for maybe a fifth or sixth rounder, if we could get, uh, you know, if, if, if the shine has come off of Joe Flacco... And these are, let me be very clear, these are not quarterbacks that I respect or or would be excited about in any situation. But if it, at 3-5 and five, we're within striking distance of first place of the division, looking at the back half of our schedule, and we say we know Davis Mills isn't the guy, let's see if we can just accidentally make the playoffs. It's not in our best interest, but it is in our competitive spirit, if that makes sense. And our best interest is to leave Davis Mills out there after we decide he's not the guy and let him throw us into top 10, a top 5, a top 3 pick. If the Texans trade for Trubisky, I'm trading myself <laughs> to a different show. Corey, hit me with another read. <laughs> uh, now I'm curious what we could get back for Colton. I think there's some value in that trade. Nico, ring the phones. Let's start working that. Um... While we're working on that, the adventure begins. Comics, games, and more wants you to know about the stadium on the second floor. Right there in the Martell Town Center, 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130 in Conroe, Texas. Adventure Begins is great. They're family-friendly, well-lit, great store to be in. Nico and I get all of our nerd stuff there. But most importantly, when you walk into the second story, there's a place called the stadium where they do all their sports memorabilia and sports cards. You guys should make sure to check it out. There's some great stuff there. And... With the way sports cards are going now, you buy one of those $25 packs and you accidentally open up a million-dollar card, you could do it right there at the Avenger Begins, Comics, Games, and More Stadium. So the last thing I wanted to touch on before we head out is it just feels like there's a lot of really close games. And I wanted to see if that w if I was onto something this year. So I looked back at the last couple of years. Now the disparity isn't huge, but in the first two weeks of the 2019 season, there was the uh, there was in week one eight games decided by a score or less. In week two, nine games decided by a score or less. In week in week one and two of 2021, I threw out 2020. Uh, I think we should all just start <laughs> 2020. But uh, so skipping ahead to 2021, week one, seven games decided by a score or less. Week two, eight games decided by a score or less. This year, 
we've had nine games each week decided by a score or less. And one of the things that has been really thrilling, I think, to watch is that in week one, eight teams scored double-digit points in the fourth quarter alone, and that was topped this last week by nine teams scoring double-digit points in the last quarter. And I want to emphasize, too, these are not always just the Chiefs, the Bills, uh, the uh, the best of the best, the cream of the crop, scoring a lot of points. And, and it's all it's everybody. It's across the board. You had Jacksonville. You've had the last couple of weeks. Washington yeah. has scored double digit points in some of these games. It's turning blowouts into actually close games. And all of a sudden, these teams are holding on to, to hang on to a win in other scenarios like week one against Jaguars, Washington. You had both teams score double-digit points in that fourth quarter to kind of duke it out. And it's everybody. You're right. It's everybody. It's the good teams, the bad teams, the mediocre teams. And I think that's what makes this interesting from a Houston Texans context is, again, they have not showed a prowess for scoring a lot of points, but they muck up games. And I think if you're able to drag a team down to your level and make things close, I think there's going to be a lot more games than we anticipated kind of sitting there in the fourth quarter potentially for the Texans not saying that that means more wins but I think that a lot of these games are going to be entertaining and maybe closer than we anticipate so there's one key takeaway from this that we that I think I need that I think deserves comment the NFL has been tweaking the rules every year every offseason for the last few years because scoring is what people love it's fantasy football, it's DraftKings, it's all of it. It's it's what pushes all of this. Uh, it's what churns the butter, okay? Scoring is what matters. Point spreads matter, over-unders matter. The the points are the are the the lifeblood of sport. The reason soccer uh, and hockey and baseball to a big extent has trouble being sexy on TV is because they don't have the the numbers aren't there. The scoring isn't there. When you hear a recap and it's 3-2-2-1-1-0-0-0-0-2-2-0, none of it sounds exciting. By the way, those are all going to be Texan scores when it's all said and done. Uh, but what is exciting is when the numbers get up there. When when you're watching the scroll across the bottom and all of a sudden a team that was down 21 just tied it with five minutes left to play. How do you not want to see how that game ends? And And... And this was on purpose. This was by design. This is proof that the NFL gets it. This is proof that the NFL is not going anywhere. You can talk about CTE. You can talk about brain injuries. You can talk about safety. And that's fine. They'll tweak the rules. You're right. People shouldn't die at 48 not remembering who they are. We agree. We do enjoy millions of dollars, though. And then they'll tweak the rules a little. And they'll tweak the rules a little more. And they tweak the rules a little more. Let's practice less. Let's protect the stars. Let's have all the players wear soft, cushy helmets. But all of that is done with the goal of getting you to these fourth quarters where teams aren't quite as tired, where the rules have changed just enough to offenses have the advantage. And in these four-minute drills, in these six-minute drills, when you look up and you go, we need to get down the field two times in the next five minutes, and we've got all of our timeouts because we don't have Denver's head coach, then we could suddenly do that because of the way everything has been changed over the last 
seven or eight years. This has been going on for a long time, where a few years ago, if you remember, people were like, you can't touch the receivers anymore. They can't even cover them. Uh, and then it became when Tom Brady would complain to the ref, they would throw the flag. And then it was, you can't hit the quarterback. You can't even just bop him a little. But now where we're at is now in the fourth quarter, these games are close and they're tight and they're exciting. And if your TV station cuts away, they're making a mistake, unless it's the Texans game. And then you're kind of in the situation where you get to really watch and enjoy this great football. And that's by design. That wasn't an accident. And I think if they had their druthers, next year there will be 10 games decided by less than one score. Let me also pose this to you as another reason on top of that. And I, I agree with what you say. And I think there maybe is a, another reason, too, to add on to what you're saying. Not to contradict, to add on to what you're saying. I'm a huge NBA fan, and over the last couple of years, not every team is – it's not to the point where every team is competitive for a title, right, or even a playoff spot, right? That's unrealistic. But every team now is fun to watch. Every team has a couple of players that you enjoy watching, even the really bad teams. I'll still watch a Houston Rockets game to watch Jalen Green. I still enjoy – flipping on a team and watching them play the Orlando Magic because they have players. It's fun to watch guys like Cole Anthony. It's fun to, I mean, they have, uh, Paulo Bencaro is going to be fun. The uh, Wagner is is fun to watch. He was fun to watch last year. The, every team has a couple of guys you enjoy watching. And I think that's true in the NFL more maybe in the last couple of years than it's ever been before. Where you look at teams that you know aren't good, and they're still entertaining. The Jets have a really good receiving court. They are really fun to watch. The Titans might be bad, but it's still going to be entertaining to watch Derrick Henry. And they're still going to be a little intimidating to try and stop that running game. I think that everybody has – there's enough dispersion of talent across the NFL that every team is somewhat interesting. The Bears, after a, a game where they played in soup and somehow won a game because their field was literally a swimming pool. It, it was really literally was. It was a impressive. lazy river. After that, they looked god-awful against the Bears. But guess what? People are still going to be interested to see if Justin mm -hmm. Fields is the guy. And I think every team has a couple of players that you tune in to watch. They're still entertaining. There's still value in watching those players, whether it's uh, a gambling, like you mentioned before, whether it's just pure entertainment, whether they're on your fantasy team. I think every player, every team has some of those guys. And I don't know if that was true maybe well, 10 years and ago. that's sort of part of how they've really, you know, everyone hates social media and I hate it too. But one thing it has helped is the development of young stars in sports. Now when your team gets that young dude and you don't know anything about him, social media kind of opened some doors that five years ago, ten years ago, probably weren't open and you didn't get to know those guys as much. And they weren't as appealing. One thing about hard knocks that's always great is you start rooting for guys to make a team. Like, I don't care who's on the Detroit Lions Final 53. 
But when they cut Pimpleton, I was really kind of let down. I was like, man, poor dude. And then he makes the Giants practice squad, and I was I was rooting for him. And I don't care about any of those teams, and I honestly don't even care about him. But the appeal was kind of baked into the product because of the way that they, they package all this stuff. And also, the NFL teams have gotten a lot more savvy that you're going to get further in the long run even financially, but also just professionally in wins and losses by staying young. Keeping together these old veteran teams, the payoffs have gotten less and less and less. The Rams did just win the Super Bowl, and they're probably, they were probably one of the oldest teams in the NFL last year. But that was that's because they are constantly just adding on the, the, these skilled veterans that other guys, other teams are cutting because they are perpetually trying to make a Super Bowl run. Whereas everyone else is like, all right, but if we win 11 games and we're in the playoffs and we have a chance at a Super Bowl and we're not paying a bunch of 40-year-olds to play football, maybe it's in our best interest. And and so I think there's a bit of a, a youth movement. Also, we're in a turning of the tide of the quarterbacks. You know, uh, the door is closed on that first era of quarterbacks that, that came up with, I'm going to say with me while I learned to watch football. You know, Phillip Rivers... The Eli Manning Philip Rivers draft, while it wasn't the first draft that I watched, is the one that stuck in my head as an interesting one because of what both teams did and how everybody played each other and how it all worked out. And in in over the long term, those guys are now gone. The Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, uh, Matt Ryan is is probably leaving this year. Tom Brady is going to be leaving eventually. The Manning brothers are gone. You know, uh what was uh, the Jets quarterback that I kind of liked, Chad Pennington? You know, the Cowboys have gone through a couple different guys with extended stays. Tony Romo finally had it for about nine years. And so the door is closed on this kind of era of quarterbacks, and we're seeing a ton of young potential new stars kind of all at once, probably for the first time because of how the media covers stuff. Are we really seeing it like this? So, and we gotta we gotta head out here. We don't want to keep people too long, but real quickly, Corey then Nico. Whatever it may be, more close games is that benefiting this weird Texans team, or does it not matter? Oh, I I, I have to believe it benefits them because if the coaching is smart, they're showing them clips of these guys in close games that then turn around and win them. And they go, look, we were, we were five, you know, we were tied with Indy and then we, we finished with the tie. Oh, we were only seven points down in Denver on the road. And we finished seven points down in Denver on the road, but look at what we could have done. And then you show them in some of these other games where in the last five minutes, the scoring kind of explodes and the, and the other team wins. And I think that that might be, a good coaching tool to be like, listen, just, you know, give a little more, dig a little deeper inches and miles and yards and, you know, Al Pacino speeches. But that's sort of where I think it could be helpful to the Texans. Yeah. I'm in kind of the same boat. I think showing off that, you know, that true grit, that true passion and being like, look, we might be bad, but like, like you said earlier, like as terrible as Mills is, he's still somehow in the middle of the pack. 
Right, exactly. And so, yeah, I, I think if you can get these close games and then give him one or two chances and he completes them, you accidentally win one or two of these close games, you never know. It might be contagious. Yeah, I think I th- I would agree. I think that it uh, it's a good thing. Being in a game longer is always a good t- thing for a, a worse team. All right, if if you are still out there and still listening, we appreciate you tuning in to another edition of Battle Red Radio. Make sure you're subscribing, coming back here for all of your Houston Texans needs. We'll be here throughout the week, getting you ready for the matchup against the Chicago Bears. Also, make sure you're heading over to the Battle Red blog for all sorts of great information getting ready for sunday right there as well but for right now that's it for myself colton Corey, nico thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of battle red radio